This is AutoLine Daily, the show dedicated to enthusiasts of the global automotive industry. Well, no wonder sales of the Renault Zoe surged in Europe. Last week, we reported registrations were up 107% last month, the bulk coming from France and Germany. We noted that was due to new EV incentives, but we didn't realize how generous those incentives are. In France, buyers get a 7,000 euro subsidy, while in Germany, it's 9,000 euros. And Bloomberg reports a dealer chain in Germany is advertising a lease for the Zoe that is entirely covered by subsidies. In France, the Zoe can be leased for 79 euros a month. And those aren't the only screaming deals. The Smart EQ is available via lease in Germany for under 10 euro a month. Most EVs will likely benefit from the incentives, but this also goes to show what we've been saying for a while. EVs need subsidies to grow sales. Without them, sales fall off. And speaking of car sales in Europe, the numbers are still weak, but the auto industry is showing signs of improvement. According to the European Auto Industry Association, automakers sold more than 1.1 million vehicles in June, which is down 24% compared to a year ago. But that's an improvement over the 57% drop in May. All countries in Europe saw sales fall except France, which posted a 1.2% gain thanks to those incentives for low-emission vehicles we mentioned before. Through the first half of the year, sales are down about 40% in Europe. U.S. manufacturing output increased last month. Reuters reports it was up 7.2% in June after increasing 3.8% in May. Here's our Autoline Insight. Automakers have been running a lot of overtime to make up for lost production and low inventory levels. In fact, total inventory in the U.S. is 1.3 million vehicles below where it was last year. And while automakers continue to increase production, output is still over 11% below where it was in February. In other production news, Reuters reports that Nissan is cutting its global output by 30% through December due to slumping sales. The automaker will produce around 2.6 million vehicles in that time frame, down from 3.7 million last year. The automaker was struggling before the pandemic, but it's only adding to its woes. In addition to the production cuts, back in May it was reported that the company will cut 20,000 jobs, mostly in Europe and developing countries, in an effort to turn around its profitability. Engineer from anywhere. Perform tests from your office, lab, or living room. OTA, connected car, diagnostics, remote testing, we have you covered. Our hardware and software is trusted all over the world. Global company headquartered in Troy, Michigan. Intrepid Control Systems. Michigan's chief mobility officer's plans for electrification, autonomy, and sustainability? Those will be a few of the topics we dive into on today's AutoLine After Hours. Pete Bigelow from Automotive News will also join John and Gary on the show. And that's today at 3 p.m. Eastern Time on our website or YouTube channel. Once PSA and FCA merge, the automaker will be known by a new name. The two companies announced that the corporate name of the new group will be called Stellantis, 
But don't worry, the name of the car brands will remain the same. The Stellantis name will be used exclusively at the group level. The name comes from the Latin verb stello, which means to brighten with stars. The 50-50 merger between PSA and FCA is expected to be complete in the first quarter of 2021. Volkswagen is one of the most vertically integrated automakers. Like Tesla and Toyota, Volkswagen makes a lot of basic components in-house rather than outsourcing them to suppliers. But maybe we're starting to see VW back away from that strategy. Up to now, VW made car seats in-house with its subsidiary called SeaTech, which has 5,000 employees and six factories. But VW just sold 50% of SeaTech to the German supplier Broza. That will allow the seat maker to start selling to other automakers, not just VW. Here's our Autoline Insight. Vertical integration is nothing new. Henry Ford perfected it at the Rouge plant 90 years ago, where iron ore won in one end of the manufacturing complex and cars rolled out the other end. By building everything in-house, automakers can eliminate the profit that suppliers would have tacked onto the cost of their components. So it can be more profitable, but not always. These days, suppliers have become so large, they often have higher manufacturing volume and lower costs than automakers. Also, vertical integration is very capital intensive. And VW probably decided it was better to invest money in EVs, AVs, and connectivity instead of investing into making seats. Lordstown Motors revealed renderings of the interior of its all-electric pickup truck, the Endurance. It's a bit simple, but it looks okay. And it's important to remember that this is a commercial truck. So it's likely been designed to take some abuse, which translates into a more utilitarian look. Lordstown says reservations and letters of intent have surpassed its first-year production goal of 20,000 units but also says that deliveries will be pushed back from the beginning of 2021 to the summer. AutoLine Daily is brought to you by Bridgestone Tires, your journey, our passion, and by Intrepid Control Systems, over-the-air engineering, boost your game. On the heels of the 911 Turbo S, Porsche is now introducing the 911 Turbo. The interior and body styling are very similar between the two cars, so we'll stick to the big differences. The 3.8-liter twin-turbo six-cylinder boxer engine in the turbo puts out 572 horsepower and 553 pound-feet of torque, which is funneled through an eight-speed PDK transmission. In the S, that engine is tuned to 640 horsepower and 590 pound-feet. Despite that gap in power, the Turbo is only a tenth of a second slower 0 to 60 than the Turbo S. Then add in that the Turbo is more than $30,000 cheaper, and we wonder why anyone would buy the Turbo S. Well, maybe that's because I can't ever imagine being able to afford a vehicle over hundred grand, let alone two hundred grand. Here's something we think you might enjoy, though. The first Pope-mobile to feature a glass bubble is now on display at the Mercedes-Benz Museum. The G-Class was modified for Pope John Paul II's visit to Germany in 1980. It features a bent seat that sits on a raised floor, which is surrounded by artificial glass so onlookers would be able to get a view of the Pope. 
It was changed to bulletproof glass after an assassination attempt a year later. Other features include integrated lighting, an extended wheelbase, a 75 kilowatt or 102 horsepower four-cylinder gasoline engine, and a powerful air conditioning system so the Holy Father wouldn't get cooked. The vehicle is part of a broader collection of G-Classes, which celebrates its 40th anniversary this year. And speaking of classic vehicles, here's another Wisconsin barn find. And we told you, it would not be a Nash. While I don't think this will be a hard one to identify, leave your guesses in the comments, I had a much different reaction to this barn find than any other one that I can think of. I actually wished I owned it. I'd fix up the brakes, the engine, trans, suspension, things like that. But I wouldn't change a thing about the exterior. I absolutely love that patina. What do you think? But that's it for this AutoLine Daily. Thanks for watching, and please join us again tomorrow.